You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly mic drop moments that led you to becoming an artist, a most prolific actor. Just a few of Stephen McKinley Henderson's credits includes Fences, A Raisin in the Sun, A Doll's House Part Two, Lincoln, Manchester by the Sea, Lady Bird, Dune, Causeway, Bo is Afraid, and the upcoming Dune 2, and on and on and on. And he was last seen on Broadway at Second Stages, Helen Hayes' theater, in the riveting play Between Riverside and Crazy by Stephen Adley Gerges. Stephen returned to the role that he originated back in 2014. The New York Times called Stephen's breathtaking performance deeply easygoing and impeccably measured. Welcome. Thank you. Good to see you and good to to be able to speak to you. Oh, it's such a joy and an honor to have you on the podcast. What has it been like now that there's some time that's gone by since you've done this exquisite play at the Helen Hayes. Well, it was um, well, it was such a joy to be a part of it. First of all, and yes. uh, and and in a in a wonderful season, I must say, what a what a Broadway season, which is still going on. I mean, there are things that I can't wait to come to town to see because I don't live in New York. I live in Buffalo, New York, and so I I'm going to go in and see a few things. But I saw some wonderful things before we started, and uh, and it was just a joy to be a part of it. But I must say. It was also very relaxing to, <laughs> to let go <laughs> of that behemoth of role, you know. Behemoth, my goodness. I love this play so much. I care deeply for your character, Pops. Can you bring me to when the other Stephen, the playwright Stephen, came to you and said, I have this play? Uh, well, you know, he he told me about it because he saw me walking with a cane. I had just had uh, a hip surgery, and uh, I guess this was twenty, I don't know, twelve or thirteen, something like that. And 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 I said, yeah, man, I'm you know gonna slow down now. I gotta take it easy. I probably won't be doing much stage anymore. He said, oh no no no, that's not true. He said, I got. I've got a play that you play a supporting role in, and I've got a play that you uh, play the, the 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 principal in, and uh, so and I, and you gotta you gotta do both these plays. So I said, well, you better hurry up and write them, man, because I'm I'm running out of steam. And but he absolutely surprised me, and and he started. He didn't have a play at all. He was saying that he he actually he was just trying to encourage me. But then he talked to Neil Pepe. At, at the Atlantic, and he had about 15 pages, 
And Neil believed in those 15 pages. And we started reading, doing readings at the apartment on Riverside Drive. And, and, and we ended up doing it. And it was just an incredible journey to go from the 15 pages and the lie that he had the play already, that he was writing it, you know. But, uh, and he, he crafted with a, an idea in mind. He, he knew about the color of the day, about how many undercover policemen who were wearing the proper color of the day were actually shot by uh, other policemen because they were people of color. And uh, so they went on the scene and they didn't think that they were the undercover folk. And that was the, the notion, the sort of seed. And then he built out from there with his feelings about his father and about his friendships with all these various people and what an incredible a motley group of people came through that apartment and everything. And uh, he ended up with just, uh, I think it's, it's a wonderful piece. I'm, I'm so glad that he won the Pulitzer for it when, you know, yes. and, uh, and, and the, to, to have that prior to and after the pandemic and, and then, uh, well, not after, cause we are still, cause we were testing all the time. And that's another thing I'm running off here, Gerald, but I have to say, it's so wonderful to be a part of the Broadway season because the people who are ready in the wings to come in, if someone tests, and I was fortunate, I never tested positive, nor did Liz Canavan, who you know is my partner and kind of, we really pride ourselves in that because we were the older of the group of people that were there and we never tested positive. Yes. But when someone did test positive and have to go out, there were such wonderful actors ready to come in and, and do playground ball, you know, and jump in. And uh, it was a joy to do that. And, and the company, we started out with the, mostly the whole company that we had started with, you know, and, and that was a joy that everyone was able to come back. And then to have that wonderful uh, bench ready to, to come in whenever someone had to leave. So yeah, it was a joy to do that. That's 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 all I can say. Well, it takes a village, right? And yes. what I love this place so much. It's such a gem for people who might not know between Riverside and Crazy and what it's about. Would you mind encapsulating it? You play Pops, as you mentioned, a retired police officer. And yeah, and my son and I have. Uh, have uh, weathered uh, the death of his mother and my wife. And uh, and we're really in the throes of that still. Uh, we haven't had another Christmas yet. And the Christmas tree is still in the house, still mm -hmm. up. And she died just, just before Christmas. And uh, But he also has had trouble with uh, the law and, and with with uh, drugs. And the son. He, yeah, yes. the son. And he yes. has had uh, some friends. He's now become sort of a mentor for one yes. one guy who is is there, oh. and wonderful wonderful uh, 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 character Oswaldo. You know, that, that, that was just a joy. And then and he has a girlfriend who is amazing, Lulu, who uh, is also there in the house with him, and uh, and that they they occupy the house. And then he has his former partner. Uh, in, in Pop's former partner, a policeman, 
and her new her fiance who oh and the thing about it is pops has a lawsuit in with the police department because he was uh, off duty in an after hours joint and he um he was shot several times shot six times uh uh, uh by a, a young officer who uh, came into this after hours joint and uh i think someone tried to rob the place is what happened and pops thought he could defend the joint because he is a cop although he was off duty and he shouldn't have been there uh and so when they came in they thought that he was among the people who were robbing the place or who had who had robbed somewhere close by and uh so he's he's also which is why he's really crazy is about to lose this wonderful riverside drive apartment which is his whole legacy is everything and uh and he wants to be able to give that to his son so he's between riverside and crazy yeah and and i i love that description and what's so phenomenal too is this exquisite riverside apartment is like another character in the play which from what I've read is the, the playwright, Stephen's oh, yeah. father actually has had yeah, this apartment, yeah. right? Apartment, Stephen still that, lives there. Yes, that is this wonderful apartment that the Labyrinth Theater uh, often uh, has uh, you know, their celebrations. Uh, but it, yeah, it's a fabulous, uh, fabulous place with a view of the Hudson. Uh, yeah, lovely. And I love, what I love about Pops is that he's so multi-layered. You know, they're all multi-layered, multifaceted. I love his relationship and his sense of caring for his son. He's Pops is the moral center and there are people around Pops who are doing things that are possibly illegal and yeah, yet, and Pops is full of love and acceptance and understanding and knowledge. It's quite something because it's, it, we don't know whether that's newly acquired or whether that's how he's always been. But I think part of it is that after he lost his wife, he wanted to try to replace her position in the house. And she was the moral center yes. of the house. She was everything. And he's doing his feeble best to to occupy that position. But when she was there, didn't have the kind of activity that he's got going on there. Uh, but uh, it's also quite wonderful because Stephen just writes these brilliant characters yeah. who are, as you say, multi-layered. But the church lady comes into this. Yes. Uh, this character that uh, Eliza Colenseas played, and uh, I mean, my goodness, that was a joy to be a part of, to see how that grew, to see yes. how that character grew. And how, you know, Stephen is just, he's inspired by things that, and, and he takes them quite beyond the point that he encountered yes. them, but he's inspired by wonderful things. And this this character, the church lady, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite certain was inspired by an actor who first read the role when it was really maybe 30 pages by that time. And he was from, I believe, 
Brazil or Peru, and, and but it was it, it, he he was able to build off of her first reading of it, you know, and uh, and she was never to be a part of the play. She she just came through the lab uh, through a, a an intensive session and and back home again. I think she was a playwright really, but she had this wonderful effect on on Stephen in terms of how this role would develop and then he put it in the hands of one of the great masters uh of theater uh eliza and and yeah. what what happened then was just magical and yeah. so so the play it's it's very difficult to describe because yeah. you know it's, i mean it really is because it's so character yes. driven and all yes. the characters are so full every you can have a play that followed every one of those characters yes center of a play then that's another reason i'm very fortunate that i was at the center of this one and uh with with an incredible uh, company of actors uh, i can't yes. say enough about that ensemble you're right because i care so deeply for every one of them and you, I don't want to give it away, but that scene between you and the church lady, it's electric. And then to see what she gave you and then what you give her, which I don't want to give away. Oh, so yeah. you know, that, like, because that's Stephen, that's his world. That yeah. First of all, there are no unredeemable or irredeemable. I don't know which is the proper term, but there's no one who cannot find redemption in their life, yes. no matter what they've done. And there's there's grace that you know comes in. You have to have, you know, you, you, you depend not only on the kindness of strangers, you depend on the grace of God as well. And uh, uh, and he always has a theological message hidden yes. inside the tavern of ruin that that you find these characters in. They they come from really quite desperate and, and desolate places but you can find the height of moral and ethical uh, generosity in that same yes. environment. Yes, even when we learn that maybe Pops isn't quite, you know, who we expect, yeah. we still love and care for him deeply. We're always on your side. And, and you know what I love about that too is that the world we live in calls for uh, a different kind of uh, survival techniques. You have, in order to survive in, in the world as it is and still have some integrity and nobility and, 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 and honesty, uh, yeah. there's always a little skirting of the truth that goes on inside your survival in the, in the, in the society. But, uh, but always, as I say, Everyone can find uh, some redemption, you know. What was it like to come back to him, you know, after the pandemic? Uh, you know, what you a know. wonderful, wonderful question, because I had really put my my hook into the role in terms of his grief for the loss of his wife, and it's it's kind of when the character was in his alone time. That's what was motivating. What would she do? What would she think of what I just did? How could I do that? What would what would 
And then um, this time coming back, it really was more about the sun for me. It was realizing how difficult it must have been for him and what my part was in the difficulty of him being the son of a policeman and 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 why he was closer, so much closer to his mother than than to me and 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 what my faults were in terms of my connection to my father. So I was I came back, I met the man again, met the character again, but I met another side of him, a more, you know, uh, uh, the part that was really immediate. It wasn't the grief of, of what he had lost, but the possibility of how he could help this, this child that he definitely was a part of the problems the child had. So that, that was a wonderful thing. And because uh, Rashid was added to the company, because we had all the actors we had from, original, from the original production, except a uh, 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 dear friend, Ron Cephas Jones, who had bigger fish to fry at the time. And so he couldn't come back. And we inherited uh, uh, Rashid Common, you know, Common. Rashid Lee. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Common, he just brought such a wonderful spirit to the work. And, and, and it was wonderful too, how the great Austin Pendleton was pushing him to say, and Stephen was, you know, they were both saying, you know, you might be too nice of a guy to play this part, Common. And, and he, and he, you know, Rashid was saying, man, you know, just this is how I got here. I, I, you know, I tried to evolve to be this person, but where I come from, I can pull that out. So they said, well, pull it out, man. Come on, let's let's see. Bring your street with you. Bring your street, because he is really an evolved being. Common yeah. is a really, really yeah. beautiful, incredible spirit. But he earned it, you know, he ain't yeah. around the block. So it was just wonderful to tie up with him and have what I what I, I call, I mean, the scenes that Stephen built one after another. And I go from one, but to go from the church lady to a confessional scene with my son, uh, yes. it was just, uh, I, there's just no way to describe how, as you work on a role, you start to see the beauty of the construction of it. And, you know, because you, you start out with a certain knowledge of it, but once you live it through several times in several circumstances, it just becomes so marvelous to live inside a beautifully constructed poem like what what, what even uh, wrote. And, uh, so a, and to do it with those wonderful people. I, you know, yeah. I'm kind of gushing here, <laughs> but I just got to tell you, it was a yeah. wonderful thing. To, and it's great to have it in the rearview mirror and be able to talk about it. Because if I had to go and do it tonight, you see, <laughs> you discuss it like this, because I'd, I'd be still in the midst of it. You know. I see. You know, the one word I could think of between you and your son, Elette, you, your Common's performance, your performance is a ferocity that you're, you could feel it, you know, it was palpable. And I could feel the ferocity from you defending him and then his ferocity defending you. And it was such a beautiful thing to uh, witness. Uh, you so know, and, you say that. and then, yeah, and, and shout out, of course, to Austin Pendleton, who directed 
yeah. all the iterations of it. Well, I want to know your lightning strikes moment or moments when you knew you had to be an artist. You know, from what I've read, you grew up in Kansas City. You went ultimately went to Juilliard. Um, of course, worked for many years with August Wilson. But was there a moment or moments you could point to when you knew this was your path? Well, you know, um, I was sort of falling. Uh, I was sort of just following the breadcrumbs. There were things that I went to a wonderful high school, brilliant high school, had a fabulous uh, director and teacher, two fabulous directors and teachers, actually, in terms of theater, but a wonderful faculty, the whole school. So we did plays there. And I did in high school, I played uh, Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. I played uh, uh, Tony Esposito in The Most Happy Fella, a, a, an operetta. I don't know how I got through that. Everybody else was singing, and I was trying to do my Rex Harrison with the thing. <laughs> and, you know, but uh, uh, and and I got to do things like Arsenic and Old Lace. Now we did. We, our high school was just incredible. A uh, high school and the plays that we that we did. And uh, uh, the mouse that roared, I remember, and uh, I mean, just, 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 really a wonderful experience. Uh, and uh, so when I got ready to go to college, uh, I was just going to go to junior college uh, in town, and I had one of the teachers who said, "You get good grades. You're gonna, on a, uh, you know, why are you going to that?" I said, "Well, nobody in my family's ever gone to college, and they thought I was somebody else from some other place. They didn't." They, you know, they knew me as the student at school, but they didn't know where I went home. And he went and saw where I came from and everything. He says, I got to help you. And so I got to go to Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. And uh, I was a theater, a political uh, science and math major, but I did plays. That's how I got to go there. Uh, and I did one year there and uh, I, I, I did some plays there, and, and I got a chance to audition because of another teacher from my high school. I got a chance to audition for Juilliard, and I got in, and it was group one. I mean, it was they were f starting the school. You know, it was the first, the first class of the Juilliard the acting program, and met John Houseman and Michael Kahn. And um, so it started to occur to me maybe I should do this, you know, it, that I auditioned in Chicago. The first time I flew, I got on a plane, they sent me to Chicago to audition. And I, um, I, I was thinking that maybe I should do this. Then I came to New York City and I was just, it was crazy, 1968. And, uh, and uh, I was just, uh, uh, it, was, it was quite a bit for me. So uh, I left after a year, two years, I literally, I dropped out of school and uh, because of life stuff in Kansas City and all that. And I thought I'd never find my way back, but I knew I was gonna act, but I didn't, I just knew I would act somewhere in, in Missouri and I got in a company there. But now, so I'm getting to this moment because it is really is, a, this is the moment. We were doing a play of, uh, I, I, when I was in grad school, I went to Purdue University Graduate School and I thought Fugard, the plays of Fugard were uh, part of my uh, master's thesis. And um, so when I got to uh, uh, St. Louis and I was in the company for several years, I started out 
as the uh, I did more roles from the VOM off stage than I did on stage. I, I was, you know, I just got in the company and then I worked my way up and I did a show uh, The Island and Cizue Bonzi is dead. And we went to the Dublin Theater Festival in Ireland. Uh, we were asked to come uh, with uh, The Island, uh, played by Fuga, where I play Antigone and the other prisoner plays Creon. It's a brilliant play, Fugar's, you know. And the success of that play in Dublin, to be in Dublin, Ireland, at the uh, Trinity College, um, uh, Edmund Burke Hall, it was a, it, the Dublin International Theatre Festival. And to see, there was something about that experience, I can tell you, that made me realize that I had not lost my way too far, that I did have to leave, leave Juilliard because of what was going on in my life, I had to, I had to, to clean up some some baggage, some things psychological. Uh, I had survivor guilt because I had a brother uh, who had who suffered, and I had a sister who, who suffered some things. Uh, I don't want to go too much into that, but I had survivor guilt, so I would sabotage sometimes when things were too good for me, and I would think, well, it's tough for them, and so anyway. But that my son was born in 1981. I was in Dublin in 1981. And I realized that I could stop sabotaging myself and that my son deserved everything I could do for him. Even if I didn't think I deserved it, he did, you know? And so I had to be all I could be. And that was when I realized what a blessing it was for me to be in theater, to have had the high school, to, to have had Juilliard, to have had, to have had all the things, uh, even the even the problems, all the all mm. those things made me a, a, a wonderful candidate to remain an actor, you know, wherever I had to do it. And I and I worked mainly through in the Midwest and so forth. Uh, and then I got to Buffalo and, uh, and, and, and I taught at university here as a, you know, a tenured professor and all that. And I met August and, and, and after I met August, it reactivated the whole file, everything. And I came back into New York, uh, with August Wilson in the production of Jitney in, uh, 99. And, uh, so at, at the turn of the century, once again, I was uh, back on it at, at about, you know, 50, 51, you know, but I had had quite a journey. But that 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 experience in Dublin and then meeting August and getting to work with him and my friendship with Amiri Baraka, he was also very important as it was. And Marion Seldes, uh, I mean, my love, but she was a teacher at Juilliard and, uh, and always stayed in touch uh, and, and, and Hausman and Michael Kahn and all these people who believed in me all the way back to high school, people who they believed. And so it started to occur to me that this is the thing to do. And, and, and even this experience we're talking about, I had really had a wonderful journey and I thought this hip surgery was going to take me out of the game. And Stephen said, oh, no, 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 I got this play. And he didn't even have a play, but he had he had the idea that he had a play, and and uh, 
and he wrote it and here we are talking. That's extraordinary. And like you said, that people believed in you from the very, from yeah. the get go like that. I'm curious, what was it though that got you to those high school plays to say, oh, I want to be Willie Loman or I want to you know, uh, be most you. happy fella. It was a, it was it was uh, it was love of poetry, uh, poetry first, and uh, my brother who uh, was uh, was deaf, and we went to visit an aunt in Oklahoma, and he was not able to go to uh, uh, the right schools. He was going to regular schools and getting terrible grades. They would, they didn't know what. Anyway, um, she said, "You're going to learn." the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd Psalm, and he's going to sign it, and you got it. And I had to memorize it. I was seven. He was 12. So at seven years old, I learned the, the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd Psalm, and he signed it, and she took us around to these churches to raise money so he could go to, to a school where, you know, he would be with other, uh, uh, you know, hearing impaired uh, people. And so it it became, when I saw him, when she convinced him that this was a way for him to have a, a, a life. Uh, he stopped signing it in a very, you know, clinical way. He started doing something that was akin to dance. He was something, it was something inside of him that was moving so graciously and beautifully. And I couldn't just say da 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 as I was at first. Somehow I connected with him and we started making some money, <laughs> you know. We she take us to the church, and they say, "Oh boy, that he's wonderful." And who is that little boy? That his, his brother is saying because I was I was trying to capture some of that spirit and the super objective that my uh, my my aunt had instilled in him that if you do this, it could lead to this and lead to that and lead to that. And he saw it, and so he started doing it with such a verve and a spirit. And so I couldn't just say the words. I had to somehow do what he was doing. And I, and I wanted it for him as well. I wanted him to have this this other uh, opportunity. And he did. He went he went to, to, to school. He went to uh, uh, in Mexico, Missouri. That's where we, we were in, in Missouri. And, and there was a school there. And he, was, he became the uh, president of student government and captain of the football team. Uh, down there, and it was just great to see him flourish from that experience, and and the poetry that I that I got in my high school from Miss Bloodworth was a teacher, English teacher named Miss Bloodworth, which was quite <laughs> severe, and uh, but she introduced me to the rhyme of the ancient mariner, and I remember reading that and thinking uh, what what a wonderful thing it is to be able to pass on a story to somebody that at the right moment that would change their path. And I had kind of experienced it, you know, uh, and, and so there were lines in, in, in Coleridge's uh, piece that resonated with me. Um, and, uh, so I, I always thought of, I always thought of that as the beginning really of my formal, kind of desire. And I listened to the 
Cademan records of uh, different Shakespeare, the, the things I could go to the library, those big records then, you know, and you, you'd listen to, you couldn't take them out, but you listen to them. And I heard uh, Paul Schofield and Olivier and uh, Redgrave and Dame uh, uh, Sybil Thorndike. I got to meet her at one point because of North Carolina School of the Arts, where I went after Juilliard. And uh, and we went to England uh, and studied at Rose Bruford. And so I, I, you know, I got back, I got back on the path after I had lost my way. Uh, and it was always, it was, but it was always, the, the beginning was a love for poetry and being with my brother trying to, to get the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer to have as much meaning for me as it had for him. That's so beautiful. You gave each other these gifts, you and your brother. That's really wonderful. And I love that you end up in Buffalo and you said you're still there oh, yeah. and met August Wilson there. What was it about Buffalo? Well, that... you know, I met August in Pittsburgh because I was oh, in Buffalo. I, I had come to the Studio Arena Theater. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was one of the repertory theaters after St. Louis because I was a company member there. And then I went from theater to theater and the Denver Center, which is a wonderful place to work, and and mm-hmm. and and St. Louis and Indianapolis, and uh, so I had a series of places that I could do in a year, and Buffalo was a regular, and then a teaching position opened up, and so I I after my son was born, I was looking for to be home a bit more because I had missed so many things, first haircut and that kind of stuff, so. So Buffalo was the place that I, I was trying to get Chicago because I loved Chicago and I had worked in Chicago. Uh, but uh, but then the position that opened up that I could get tenure track line was in Buffalo. And and it became it's it's just been a wonderful place. I retired in 2016 and uh, we were doing uh, the film of offenses. So I had been able to get to a place because I had chaired the department and uh, been ahead of the acting program and done all, I did all the hoops you do for tenure and all that. And so I was able to do one semester on and one semester off uh, in part of the, uh, the, the uh, 2000 after turn of the century and in, it, in the later part of the 90s. And so I was always able to do a show. I always had a play the semester that I was off. And I and then I came back to my job. I always had something somewhere uh, to do. And uh, eventually, um, I, I I retired, and 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 it just happened to be when we were filming Fences uh, in Pittsburgh, where I had met August in Pittsburgh. So uh, I yeah I, I as I say, you know, I was following the breadcrumbs, and then I realized that 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 there was some methodology to this. There was there was some grace involved in it, that uh, there was some divine uh, path that uh, it was, it became very clear that I was supposed to be doing this. I love how you've helped kept August Wilson's legacy alive. Uh, You're doing fences with Denzel and Viola Davis and, you know, this brilliant cast you did on Broadway, nominated for a Tony. 
What do you miss most about August? Oh, oh my God. What oh. I miss most about August is just how much he loved. Uh, he, 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 lo he loved music. He, he loved boxing and his daughters. He, he was just so thrilled about uh, his daughters and they were you know, many, a few years apart, but his Sakina, his oldest daughter is a very good friend of mine and a wonderful, wonderful writer in her own right, actually. And, uh, and I, I remember when he was holding uh, Azula, his, his, his last daughter up, and she was a, an infant, but he was holding her like a camera and, and, and letting her see things that he saw and, 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 and just see the joy on him to see her looking and smiling at something that he thought she should see. And I mean, she wasn't taking it in in any way like he was, but, but it was, there was something about how much he enjoyed his people. And, and I don't just mean African-Americans. He had a special love for the survival instinct inside African-Americans and the, the ability to overcome. But he knew that it was a metaphor for all life, that, that there was something that everyone could learn from that journey and that every immigrant, immigrant journey, to tell you the truth. You know what I mean? And it was something to be in, in, in London at the National the theater doing Jitney and having all these people from these different cultures come up and say, that reminds me of my uncle, that that character reminds me of my brother. And, and um, because it was, it was something given to the world like the blues and jazz, but it came directly from the Africans American experience. And so the, the, the Africans American experience in August plays is very much like how the development of the blues and the jazz that's also from the africans american experience but it belongs to the world it, it, it does it belongs to everybody and you know anybody that can pick up the instrument and play the music and sing the songs and uh and so i what i miss I, you know i miss everything about all this because i i you know just 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 having him Around popping his fingers or hearing hearing the music and uh, and having a great breakfast because breakfast was a very is a special meal uh, uh, to 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 have as late as you could get it. <laughs> uh, it was kind of a kick to be in in, in in Pittsburgh to have breakfast with him at Eddie's restaurant, the restaurant that he used to model two uh, trains running uh, to be there and have. Uh, and be coming there really late and have uh, uh, Eddie's wife say, oh, my God, I thought I was on my way out of here. And here, I know, I know I got to I got to He's going to open the door for you guys. I know he's going <laughs> to open the door for you guys. Uh, it was a joy. He's, he was just an absolute, absolute joy. And I think about how you so fully inhabit every character you play, you know, on screen, in plays. And you know, I forget about Steven and you know, I'm seeing pops. I'm seeing... What's some of the best acting advice you've gotten or mm -hmm. how do you approach a role when you get that script 
Well, uh, the 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 yeah, I've had so many wonderful teachers. I gotta tell you, just incredible. Yeah. When I say Marion, Marion, uh, 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 just just the tops, uh, and and Lloyd Richards, uh, and 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 uh, uh, Bill Esper, the, the Meisner technique. But but Lloyd, working with Lloyd late in my life, galvanized everything I had ever gotten from any, any place. And his six questions, uh, where or what experience am I coming from? Where or what experience am I coming to? What have I come here to do? Why, why now at this moment? And what do I expect to gain from it? And if I get it or don't get it, then what do I go on to do? So then I go on to the next attempt to get this thing that I'm after. Uh, but the best advice I think I've, I've, uh, I, I ever got about the craft, I was, uh, I was having some problems. Anyhow, I was diagnosed with this uh, uh, stenosis, lumbar stenosis. And um, it was some time ago, uh, many years, uh, actually. I can't think how, how many years. But this doctor, her name was Warner, Dr. Uh, I can't think of her first name now, but it's a wonderful doctor. And she took all these tests and she said, now you're going to have, you, you escaped this. This is in your body. And uh, when it happens to some people, it happens in infancy. Children are born and they have this, this particular kind of stenosis. And then it happens uh, 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 unmercifully and is teenagers, just at puberty, just when you're starting, some people are stricken with this at that time. Then there's another period in the 40s uh, where they said, she said, but now you're, you're, you're very fortunate. This is going to, this you, you've escaped all these particular places, but it's gonna hit you in your 60s, that's when. And I was in my 40s at the time. And she's and I said, well, what do you think I should do? And she said, all the things that you know you've been saying you would do if you weren't tied down, if you weren't that everything that you really, really want to do, do it now. Start it now. And I thought about what she said, and that's and I was teaching at university, and I realized that I had to seize every opportunity I had to do a play away from Buffalo, that I had to take every opportunity to remain in the larger, you know, business, the larger uh, arc of, of the work. And an opportunity started coming, just started happening. You know, one show here, one show there, just stay in the mix. And then I went down to Totem Pole Playhouse where um, Gene Stapleton, uh, who played Edith Bunker, you know, she, her husband had a theater in Pennsylvania, Totem Pole Playhouse. I went down there to do a wonderful role in The Boys Next Door, a wonderful play. And I came back through Pittsburgh, and and August Wilson was speaking at a, at, a, at, a, at a church, and I saw that in the paper. So that was, and I went out, and it was my first encounter to just meet him. I never worked with him. I'd done his plays because I was going through Pittsburgh because I was about to do Joe Turner's Come and Gone, one of the great plays of the 20th century. And uh, 
And I was just going to look at this, the town because I knew all these streets that were named. And, and I happened to go through when he was there. And I got to meet him and chat with him. And then a few years later, I actually got to audition for him. And he didn't even remember that I had met him before, you know. But uh, but then we be, we got to become, I can I can honestly say that we got to become friends. And that's, I, I, I it, it's, it's like with Stephen now to get back to Riverside. Yes. Um, to be friends with a person who you know has genius qualities. I mean, as I can say, you know, just, just someone who is truly an inspired artist. Uh, it's quite something to, to, to do that, to have a friendship with someone like that. Now, you also can have some real knockdown falling outs, you know, I mean, as if you don't say no to a genius too many times before they say, okay, that's it. You know? But, uh, but so far, uh, it's just been quite a kick. And now in my 70s, to have done a, a show on Broadway with in, in a wonderful season. I mean, in a season that when I saw The Cost of Living, I thought, oh, <laughs> my God, what a great piece. And I saw uh, Wendell, Wendell in, in Salesman. And 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 uh, the young John David Washington in piano lesson, uh, and the shows I didn't get a chance to see that because I was working, and now I I I believe I'm going to get a chance to see. I will. I have tickets to see Fat Ham, and I have tickets to see the sign in Sidney Brewstein's window, a play, a role that I played yes. when I was young. Uh, so there's a role in that that I that I yes. did. Many, you know, many years ago, I had auditioned and got got in the company because I could play that one role that she has for an African American in the Sinus City Blue Seas. Yes. And um, I, so I, I, I just can't wait to see it at Oscar Isaacs, who I, you know, work with yes. in, in Dune. And he's a, he's a Juilliard person, too. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah I, I'm getting to the good part. I'm getting to the good part, Jeff. <laughs> you're already there. Is there a role you're aching to play? You've played so many different characters. I gotta tell you, I, I just did a film with the great um, Alex Garland. I don't know if you know this film, Alex Garland, but he's, he's wonderful. He did Ex Machina, and uh, uh, and we did a limited series called Devs that was, was quite wonderful that Steven Spielberg was a fan of. But I just did the, this film. It'll come out later this year, uh, and I think it's my favorite role uh, that I've done on filming. You know, yes. the stage. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just had so many. One, my cup runneth over there, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, when you say there's something you want to do, it's I love being part of a director or a playwright's vision. When they they say they they're doing this thing and they say, well, here's I think maybe we get Henderson. See if Henderson can do this one, if he'd like to do this. That's that's the one I want to do. You know, there's nothing I want to go back to do, and there's nothing in in literature. Well, maybe I think maybe in, in Heartbreak House, Captain Shotover, I like, and 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 and, and in Three Sisters. Uh, 
the doctor Tabutikin, Tabutikin is some for now. But you know, and these are things that I've done in various places and are in class or something that I wouldn't mind actually doing. But I worked with Lloyd. I did worked on Shylock with Lloyd. Uh, I did that in, in 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 wonderful workshops. So those plays are not something that I I really like what new writers are writing, what they're writing today, and to be somebody that they say, wow, could we get him? Like when Greta Gerwig let me be a part of, uh, of Lady, my goodness, man, to get to, you know, that's, that's just, and, and you're in the company of these wonderful people, Lois Smith and, uh, you know. Uh, Lori Metcalf and, oh, oh, yeah. goodness. And you. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful piece. Sersha, uh, Sersha Rowan. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and Beanie and uh, gosh, and Timothy and, 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 and Lucas Hedges. And, you know, and that's another part of it, to meet these young, young you know, actors who come and say, oh, man, I, I, I know you're working. I got to tell my mother that I met you. You know, it's like, I love that. I'm getting to... And and, and uh, I, I met recently do, working on Dune Two with yes. the great uh, Stella Skarsgård, and but I got to work with Austin Butler, and now Austin yeah. had this great year as Elvis, and they yeah. he and Timothy t- together, man, tying it up, man. Wow, that's gonna be something. Get ready for that. Yeah. That's <laughs> quite something. But this this role that I just did, it'll come out later this year. That I think it's the title they're going to keep is Civil War. That's okay. the, the 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 name we shot it under. And Alex Garland, great script, with Kirsten Dunst and uh, 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 Wagner Mora, uh, Brazilian mm-hmm. actor, and uh, and Kaylee Spaney, one of my favorite favorite people. Uh, yeah, there's that's it. That that's the thing. What I'm trying to say. My favorite thing is what I don't know is coming. I love that. That's it. Here's to many, many, many more. I'm so grateful to chat with you. Oh, it's and been great. I, I feel like I just wonderful. ran off. You, 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 you really got. You know, it's a good <laughs> thing that we see each other while we do it because <laughs> it does bring out more. It absolutely it does. It does. You certainly do get it. I can tell you. It's great to see you smiling. It's great to see you. Thank you. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore. This episode was produced by Anna Strand. When lightning strikes. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
www.thepurpleshouse.org because only together we rise.